And now for an episode of Knuckleheads in Isolation, Drinking Black Coffee. Hey, Caro, como estas, senor? Uh, uh, nada. Nada. Y tu? Uh, y tu, brut? Uh, hey, guess what? It is April. Can you believe it? It is March. April. March was, yes. uh, you know, so easy for, so, for pastors was, and churches. It was quite a decade, it's, wasn't it? March oh my was gosh. <laughs> I, I feel like I used to blame. I had, I had three gray hairs in my beard uh, several years ago uh, that I named after the three kids that we were fostering at the time. Like they just showed up about the exact same time. Then they grew exponentially when we got the four daughters. Now I think I'll be uh, fortunate if we make it through uh, April without a complete yeah. Snow White um, Santa Claus beard. If I don't just pull it out, uh, but uh, but anyway, man, it is and let's so- just let's just declare that um, April Fools is canceled. Yes, okay? there, there are no April no Fools. April we, Fool we, jokes. No, none of us have the temperament for it at this point. <laughs> no, I found that out <laughs> yesterday with the post I made. But oh, Kyle, it's so good to see you this morning. Uh, you know, it's great to see you. I I can't, I'm going to see you a lot today. I'm afraid this is true. You know, when I go to bed, I I remember in the morning when I rise, give me Kyle. Uh, Hey Kyle, good morning. And uh, thank God we don't just have to listen to us. We have brought uh, Dr. Kenneth Priest onto the show. Uh, Dr. Priest is the interim director for the church uh, Center for Church Revitalization at the Southwestern Baptist uh, Seminary, and also the Director of Convention Strategies uh, for the True in Greater Texas uh, Convention, known as the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Dr. Priest, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here, and uh, looks like you just woke up. Well, I am delighted to be with you, and no, that is not the case. I've been up since <laughs> about three thirty. Uh, good. So, been for a few hours now. Good, good. Uh, well, we means you and Matt have been up about the same time. By we the time got we up figured, at the same time. We we should have time change and we should have FaceTimed at, at two thirty a.m. I should have given you a FaceTime. Said, "Hey, good morning." That's right. That's right. Of course, my phone's on silent, so I would not have heard you trying to FaceTime <laughs> because I ignore calls before seven. But uh, that's all right. I yeah. was up going. So. That, that was one of the things I remember from our class together. Uh, the, the last time I was on campus at, at Southwestern will be the last time I was on campus at Southwestern, at least for uh, the next several months. Uh, but uh, we'll be doing things online in May for the next seminar. Uh, but you, yep. you shared that, that uh, as, uh, as a kind of pastor to pastor and encourager for church revitaliz- revitalizers and so forth, uh, that you have some kind of quiet time with your phone so that we're not uh, bugging you during that time so that we're spending that with our family. Uh, instead, that meant, well, since I can't talk to Dr. Priest, I'll just message Bart Barber or something. I mean, that's how there it worked for me. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed our class uh, together. And a uh, moment ago, you declared I was a stable genius. Uh, uh, no, that's how I inferred it. I was going to say, I think that was self-declared. Yeah, that yes. was self-declared. Uh, I named it and claimed it. And, uh, but, uh, but it was a fun time. Uh, and that's one of the things that I loved about uh, my degree so far has been how practical uh, they have been. Um, a lot of what I was turning in for your class either was what I had just learned and, and kind of begun to put into practice at Mayhill or things that I want to put into practice. And, uh, and that's probably uh, a goal for that new church revitalization demon is something that it's, it's not just filling your, your brain with info. I mean, we can all read every, every book that's out there, but how can we take that and put it into first Alamogordo 
Mayhill Baptist, wherever we find ourselves. And uh, so I just wanted to tell you, thank you uh, officially again uh, for that class, because a lot of what I put down on paper uh, has been put into practice, at least up until March. Uh, now we're just flying by the seat right. of our pants. Um, <laughs> but, well, I appreciate that word of encouragement, but you're absolutely right. That is the goal of that degree and the, the goal of the class as I've outlined it and the influence I'm trying to give to the rest of the courses in that DMIN uh, is to approach it from that very pra practical side to help you where you are. But even as I share with you guys in class, it's not even to help you where you are, but it's so you could go help someone else yeah. where they are. Uh, and so we want it to benefit you, but we want you to be a benefit and a blessing to others as well. Yeah. Well, you have Kyle and I, uh, for some reason, as the greatest April Fool's joke ever, uh, you have us scheduled for a conference that's actually happening pretty much right when we wrap this up. Uh, that's right. and, and you'll get to do that conference from your PJs, right, where you're at. Uh, that's right. I, will, I will be going to the to the church because we now have homeschool and session in our house uh, and they need all the Wi-Fi they can get for the uh, most boring history of videos in the universe that Rebecca has been finding. Uh, Kyle will go up to first Alamogordo and preach probably from his little pub table. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so tell, tell us about that conference. I know when, when this kind of goes, it's going to be happening, but what's sort of the point and, and who you picked in there and, and what you're trying to get from the conference maybe what made it online in the first place. Yeah. Well, I mean, as, uh, as you said, uh, it's actually a big April fool's joke. So when y'all log in to try to speak, there's actually nobody going to be there. So you know. <laughs> good luck guys. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So the, the reality is, uh, we, uh, we were already going to be live streaming the conference today. Um, that was our goal because we understand bivocational pastors and, and some pastors don't have the budget to be able to travel, especially in a revitalization context. And so it's great when you can get away. In fact, uh, I have an entire uh, strategy that I kind of map out for pastors, uh, especially in a revitalization context of things you need to do. And one of those is get away to a conference on occasion because it's beneficial just to, to get out of your environment. But I do understand that that, you know, getting to Fort Worth, Texas was going to be costly. So we were going to live stream the event, get it into to everybody's uh, computers as quickly as we could anyway. Uh, but when this um, uh, COVID-19 hit, it kind of um, caused us to, to realize uh, we still needed to address this need. Uh, and since we were going to be online, uh, everybody's having to move worship online. Hey, let's just move this conference online. Uh, and really, it was a, a quick email that I just sent out and said, do you have an interest in still speaking and doing it from wherever you are? And uh, every single speaker replied back and said, most definitely, we need to do this. Uh, and so that just kind of allowed us to, to continue down the path that we were already on. Um, I did change my topic uh, based on uh, the COVID issue. Uh, because I know we're dealing with church revitalization in the midst of COVID right now. And so the, the final session of that conference is going to address that. But uh, none of the other speakers have really been asked to change. We really want them continuing to focus on the issue of church revitalization. Uh, and so that's the, 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 the vision of this. The, you know, the center was founded uh, and, and launched uh, with a goal to help churches um, not really just across North America. I mean, it's a global center. We want to impact churches that need assistance in revitalization wherever they are. 
but specifically in North America, uh, and quite honestly, very specifically in the more pioneer areas where the resources are limited, where the uh, consulting staff is limited. You know, every year uh, I fly up to Montana, my wife and I do, to do some training events, but then we go spend about 10 days traveling across Montana consulting with churches. Um, I do work in Hawaii doing the same thing. Uh, and so, you know, I try to treat those states like the, they're my state of Texas, being able to get that one-on-one -on -one consulting. And so the center is, is designed to do that type of work. And so this conference is just kind of a, a premier event to get some training going on the issue of church revitalization. And, and as, as we were talking right before we came on, church revitalization and, and church replanting was already a huge need as you know, the, the number that, that I think a lot of people are familiar with is we close 900 churches a year in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I, I think that's about to get ramped up. <laughs> the, the need for, for revitalization and replanting, once, once we come out on the other side of, uh, of the COVID-19 issue, I, I think is going to be exponentially more urgent for a lot of churches who, um, because I think this is exposed um, that uh, maybe a lot of churches, even if they were, even if they were healthy, they, they didn't have a lot of um, financial foundation underneath them to, to weather out, you know, a, a eight, 10, 12 week um, hiatus from, right. from normal, you know, whatever we would consider normal church. And so how do you, looking into the future, so, so looking maybe into the fall and then into 2021, how do you think this is going to change approaches to church revitalization or, or even just how is this going to change church as we know it on the other side of this? Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll shift and kind of put on the futurist hat yeah. uh, for that conversation, right? And so a little bit of the work that I've been doing over the past couple of weeks is a little bit of that forecasting. Uh, and so we're looking at uh, across the Southern Baptist Convention, the potential of losing two to three percent of churches. A lot of that uh, is is hidden information. Uh, we don't know how many churches, how many months of reserve they have. We don't know how much debt they have. And so we just kind of take the, the information that is available for us. And quite honestly, this is a little bit, if I can make a push and a plug for your annual church profiles to be turned in, that this helps us figure things out. When you turn into those annual church profiles and, and we see the, the giving patterns and we see the attendance patterns, it allows us to make these types of uh, forecasts and figure out what's happening across the convention as a whole. Uh, and so uh, we start looking at what's going to be taking place uh, six months from now, uh, 12 months from now. So two to three percent of churches uh, are, are closing their doors. Uh, it, within that range, they may not have to close their doors, but they're, they're no longer able to afford a pastor. Uh, and so this means our, our necessity and need for ramped up retired pastors that can function as interims uh, and transitional pastors uh, becomes an even greater need. We already had a deficit in this category. Um, more and more pastors are staying on longer than what has been historically the case for pastors. And so uh, they're working up until they're no longer able to serve. And, you know, it, it, it's almost a, a call for these more older pastors to say, wait a second, you know, a part of what I need to do is pass on a, a legacy here to an emerging generation to take over this work, but I need to be available to go out and help some of these struggling churches. Uh, you know, they I think they feel like that they're that they're giving something up 
they no longer will have purpose if they're no longer the pastor of this church. What they don't realize is they can continue to pastor and lead churches well, and there's churches that's going to need their help, and they're better positioned because they can get a little bit of their annuity helping to pay their salary, while the church that doesn't have enough money to pay much of a salary can pay them a little bit as well. And so I think we're going to have a greater need for these interims and transitional pastors to be serving out there. I think that there's going to be a shift in the way some of our state conventions are doing ministry. Uh, I believe that you're going to have staff members at the state convention that's going to have to shift to a co-vocational model so that they're serving on staff as the pastor of a church while they're also serving at the convention, which is going to create a, a unique model in some of our states where they're going to have to accept the fact that, that the church is going to have to accept the fact that, oh, my guy's a convention guy, and so he needs the flexibility to do some travel during the week, and we have to accept that because that's the only way we're going to be able to afford a pastor right now. And the, the convention's going to have to accept the fact that, hey, I no longer have somebody I can send out on Sundays to preach at churches because he's tied up preaching every Sunday now. And so it's going to create this, this new model that has to be adapted. I really believe that, that we had a, um, a, an on-ramp to prepare us for this with the recession of 2008. Uh, so we went through, as I did some consulting 2008 through 2010 uh, in dealing with uh, these churches. Many of them, it took until 2012 or 2013 before they experienced a full recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that should have been the, the eye-opener for us as pastors and ministers and leaders to begin building up a reserve fund and, and preparing for whatever, you know, this is, you know, this is the, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be several years of drought. Therefore, you need to build up your reserve so that you can make it through the drought. We're not learning biblical lessons ourselves. Um, we're, we're 10 years, 12 years past the recession, and all of a sudden we get hit with this, uh, and it was almost like it was a surprise again, and our churches were not prepared for it. And so I think, once again, it's, it's that ringing of the bell to say, hey, you need to, to prepare your church better. You know, three to six months, months worth of reserve is not a bad idea. Uh, when you're going to be out of, out of worship for potentially 10 weeks here, uh, it's also uh, a, um, a ringing of the bell to engage in technology. Our churches that have been afraid of technology uh, I think what we need to remember coming out of this, and I'll address this in one of my topics in the conference we're doing today, is, is just because we go back to uh, us gathering in worship on Sunday morning doesn't mean you should stop live streaming your worship service. In fact, the emails that I'm getting, most people are having more attendees uh, in their online worship than they were having in their local gathered worship in person. And so that should be a, a, a call for us to remember, hey, let's, let's do that as well. Let's gather in the worship center on Sunday morning, but let's also live stream for others in the community. It's a great seeker connection point to do that. So I think it's going to teach us several things if, if we will listen, if we will learn for, from it. Uh, I think the difficulty is going to be helping those churches that are already in a distressed position uh, overcome that because giving is going to be in such decline. Some of our healthier churches are now not going to be in a position to help out. Uh, there's all of this discussion, and, and I know that your podcast uh, goes out uh, beyond Southern Baptist, but it is called, you know, Not Another Baptist Podcast, and so it does target Baptist. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on social media about 
churches withholding from the cooperative program in order to, to take care of their own, or uh, let's bypass the state convention and let's send strictly, strictly to NAM and IMB so we take care of all of our missionaries and church planters and don't worry about our state. What most people are forgetting is you've got church planters in your state as well. Yeah, right. uh, and it is the state convention that is the one that's, that's funding them, and it is the cooperative program dollars that provides that. So when you bypass the state to send money to NAM and IMB, you're hurting your own state. Um, this is not an Acts 1-8 strategy. Acts 1-8 says we're going to take care of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Therefore, you've got to figure out the balance. And I'm all about a local autonomous church has to determine for itself how it's going to handle this. But I don't think that, that creating these bypass mechanisms are going to be the answer to what we need to do. Even in the decline giving that you've got and you're trying to figure out how to pay your own bills, uh, sending a little extra money to the missionaries uh, with, by neglecting the church planters in your own state. Um, for a state like Texas, where we've got 29 million people in the state, 19 million are lost, uh, to say we're going to bypass reaching the 19 million in the state, not a healthy biblical model in my opinion. Uh, Dr. Priest, you uh, you have a couple of, uh, of books uh, that I think like the preface of all of them um, are longer than replanting rural uh, churches. Uh, tell, tell us about one, uh, the, the, the flakes model. I think I saw you, you post yesterday. Uh, it, it just, it, I, I didn't know you had written that one. And so I'd like to hear uh, as we wrap up, maybe uh, why you wrote it short synopsis of what it's about and, and how sure. it can help those that are tuning in, maybe especially right now. Sure. So it's entitled Revitalizing the Church Through Flake's Formula. Uh, it was published by Oxano Press. Uh, and uh, Flake's Formula, if you're not familiar with it, uh, Flake's Formula is a, an, an old school, early 1900s model of uh, growth for the church. It's how to grow your church. And of course, it was focused on Sunday school. Uh, I've taken and kind of repurposed it for the 21st century and apply it to revitalization. Flake's formula is five simple things, begins with know the possibilities. Uh, and so when we're talking about knowing the possibilities uh, and the way I repurpose it for revitalization is, uh, you know, how do, what do you know about your community and what do you know about your church? And so the possibilities that we have uh, deal with these issues of, of what's happening in the church uh, what's happening uh, in our community, uh, what are your possibilities, uh, what can you do. Uh, I encourage people to, uh, I'm just going to walk you through this really quickly. I don't know how much time we have, but um, 30 uh, seconds. <laughs> make a people map, uh, know where your members are, uh, know where your guests are coming from, uh, know where the people that have joined your church in the last year are coming from, Know where your baptisms are coming from and what the importance of that is, guys. I mean, uh, if you think about your communities that you're in, so if you're looking at Mayhill and, you know, I know you're the, the only game in town, Matt, but uh, if, uh, if there's a couple of churches in town and, and you're reaching people coming from the east side of town, but nobody from west ever comes to your church, you have to ask the questions, why? Why aren't they coming? Well, maybe there's another great church out there. And so making a people map and figuring out where people are coming from and how that impacts your church is information. And information is the most important thing you can do in knowing your possibilities. But then you also got to look at your facilities and figure out what you can do with your facilities. So that's a part of knowing the possibilities as well. If you want to start um, an upward program, uh, upward basketball, but you don't have a gymnasium, 
that's not possible. So it lets you know what's possible and what's probable for you to be able to do. The second point of Flake's formula is enlarging the organization. And this has to do with creating new units. Uh, and of course, I am a, a huge advocate and you guys know my, my buddy, Alan Stoddard, he and I recently just released a book uh, called uh, Groups That Revitalize last year. Uh, and so we talk about using the sermon-based uh, small group model. But the, the whole point of the, the groups talk is, you know, are you having on-campus or off-campus groups? And what Alan and I propose is you should have hybrid. You should be doing both uh, because there's people that can't come on Sunday morning. So creating a groups opportunity for them at another time is very important. So enlarging the organizations about creating new groups for your people uh, to get connected with. And then the, the third one, and this kind of ties into creating new groups, is providing the space and providing equipment. So in Flake's formula, you know the possibilities, uh, you enlarge the organization, and then you provide the space and equipment. And so, again, once you know what space you have available, you can figure out this is going to be a children's room, and here are the resources that children need. This is an adult room, and here are the resources that adults need, and create those types of things. The fourth point of Flake's formula is to enlist and train the workers. It does you no good to recruit someone to teach a, a small group if you do not have space for a small group. So why enlist workers when you're not doing that ministry? So you determine your possibilities, all of these things. Then you go enlist and train the workers and say, look, we know we can do this. We don't know if we're going to launch this in three months, six months, 12 months. But now I can go out and find the workers in order to launch this ministry, get them trained, get them up to, to stay. And basically what I talk about is you develop leaders based on priority needs, and then you be strategic and you be intentional. The fifth point of Flake's formula is really the most important, and that's the, the uh, titled Go and Get Them. <laughs> uh, it's about evangelism. Ultimately, the church exists to make Jesus known. And so we need to go and get the people. Uh, and so you, you've done all of this work. You know your possibilities. You, you've enlarged the organization. You've provided the space. You've, you've trained teachers. Now what? Go get people to get into those groups. So you do the work of the evangelist that you're called to do as a pastor, and you go after the community for the cause of Christ. Awesome. And the good news That's is fantastic. In that book, I've got it all. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, uh, and, 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 and it's a I real think, short book. It doesn't yeah. take long. I really, me talking about it just now was longer than it would take you to read. We'll I think the, the great thing about that is the, those are basics and those have been around for a long time. Correct. And, and I think where we are right now, um, a lot of churches are, are, are asking, uh, okay, we've got to rethink some things, <laughs> right? And, and Flake's formula it, I know it was developed for Sunday school, but like you said, it th this is a this is a great place to start to start reimagining what what the basics are for for churches right now. Exactly. Oh, Kyle Beerman, you know I got to see you from like I guess it was well it was six o'clock yesterday when we did this, and then I got to kind of passively see you from eight o'clock to like three o'clock in an all-day yes, Zoom hours. meeting. It was all day. It was like the Matt and Kyle day. And I, I just, <laughs> it just warmed my heart. I was, I was so blessed by the time we got to spend with one another. I'm sure you feel the exact same way. You, you know what? Um, it, was, it was a day that I will never forget. 
Yeah. As hard as I'm going to try, I will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the guys that we, we got to hear from uh, yesterday in the, in the conference was Dr. Matt uh, Queen, uh, the true and better uh, Tommy Kiker, uh, the, the true and better uh, Roy Fish, the true and better Billy Graham. I mean, he is the greatest evangelist to ever walk the earth since like John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, all rolled into one. And so we asked this guy to come onto the show. And I feel like the best way uh, that we could introduce him is with his favorite song. And so Kyle, I think you remember what this one is. It goes a little like this. His chair is on fire. (laughs) Dr. Queen, welcome to the show. I know I have I've propped you up and, and you're filled with so much pride right now. Uh, now it's now it's time to to get back to uh, brass tacks. What's going on, brother? Uh, it is, it's going well today. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made and uh, I rejoice and I'm glad in it. But I'm really glad in it because I'm with two of my favorite people in the world. And I'm rejoicing also because. Uh, though you uh, haven't told him uh, that we're going to do this yet, uh, today is a very special day. Uh, Kyle, do you know what today is? It's, it's April second. It's no it's longer April second, and ladies yeah. and gentlemen, it is Kyle. It is Kyle's birthday, birthday oh today. Gosh. Everybody, one, can, uh, two, that is three. <laughs> Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Your chair's not on fire. My, my chair is not on fire. Um, Kyle, however, what's your, your birthday are, wish? Because it's not my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> what's your birthday well, wish Kyle well in uh let's see in 31 days when it is actually my birthday um we my, will my still wish be in quarantine be that, that, my, oh gosh I was gonna say my, my wish is that uh, by that point we have at least a start date for baseball season yeah so yeah here you go that's what well, I'm doc, here you go. Dr. Ch- Queen uh you have uh passed me twice i believe if i remember correctly we had one class in the mdiv together one in the the d-men together and you passed me in both of them you know clearly the 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 bar was pretty low uh but dr queen you are uh the the chair of fire that's where that little song came from uh the the chair of fire of the evangelism yada 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 there's so many titles you have the longest title of anybody at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I feel like every week there's another sentence added to it. <laughs> That's me. Well, I just go by country mountain preacher now. Okay. That's what I do. So. Well, that, that doesn't fit on the business card as well. I mean, <laughs> your, your business card is like a postcard. Like at this point, there's so many titles that you, you hold that, that now they've moved you up to a postcard that you can hand out instead of just a business card. So, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Queen, one of the things that we try to uh, to do here is offer some some practical help. You know, we joke, we we sing Happy Birthday, we do all that kind of stuff, make fun of Kyle, make fun of Matt, all of that. Uh, but you are 
a, uh, a proponent, a preacher of everyday evangelism. And uh, it's somewhat self-explanatory, uh, everyday evangelism. You're looking for opportunities as you go, post office, out to eat, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, if you go out to eat with Dr. Queen, you will have to share the gospel. He is going to put you on the spot. That's just the, that's his spiritual gift. Uh, but right now, uh, we are clearly in uh, social distance measures. You're in Fort Worth. Kyle is as far away from me as he can get at this moment uh, in Alamogordo, and I'm here in Mayhill. Uh, we cannot go out to eat. We can go and pick up to-go orders. We can't really go out in public very well right now, and, and rightfully so. Uh, what would you say, how would you say would be some good ways right now that we can practice everyday evangelism, even apart from the six distance, six feet distance, all of that kind of stuff. Sure, I, I think there's two ways that I have, and I've been asked by several people about this, and there's been two ways that I think uh, are just just givens. So one is there's a group uh, called Need Him. Um, you can go to www.needhim.org, needhim.org. And these are the guys that have, uh, um, at least in the past, I think they still do, uh, any of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association um, uh, call centers or anything like that. They've run those. They've also helped run some of the North American Mission Boards, uh, media-based evangelism things. So, so and uh, it's led by two guys that are both Southern Baptists. Uh, one of them goes to Prestonwood here in Plano. Um, but uh, Need Him is a great, great venue for, for churches. Um, in fact, um, uh, South, uh, Southwestern uh, is utilizing that for our evangelism practicums, uh, and we also got some of our sister seminaries involved in that. Um, I've had several churches call, and their churches have signed up, and they, they will train your church or uh, volunteers from your church. And basically, what, what you can do is on your own time, uh, you just log on, either on the computer or on your phone, either way. Uh, you get at your own time, you can do it as long as you want to, as short as you want to. Um, but basically, by phone or by uh, a, um, a chat room, internet chat room, you're able to share the gospel. And the cool thing about this is, unlike an everyday evangelism, intentional evangelism, where we go out to eat and you have to, you know, uh, get muster the courage to begin to talk about Jesus, these people are actually calling you, or these people are actually coming on the chat screen because they are looking for hope. They're wanting answers to life's biggest questions. So this is like low-hanging fruit. This is like you don't even have to uh, come up with a gospel transition, you know. Uh, so so uh, I, I would highly recommend uh, the services of Need Him. And again, it's free. Uh, they, will, um, they will train you. And it's very much uh, as you go. You can do it late at night. You can do it early in the morning uh, because they always need volunteers. So that's one way that you can do it every day. And the other one is, um, you know, many times uh, people like to tell me they like to practice relationship evangelism. And I'm all for any kind of evangelism that's actually evangelism. And, and, I, and, and in fact, there's a guy right now, his name is David. Uh, a year ago, uh, uh, two students and I went and knocked on his door, didn't know him from Adam. Uh, I shared the gospel with him, then one of the students did, then another student did, and then I did. Uh, here on this doorstep, I had a long conversation, was very engaging, and I've kept up with him through email. Uh, he doesn't have a phone, but yeah, kept up through email with him for a year now, uh, sharing the gospel with him. His name is David, and he was recently just diagnosed with 
uh, a tumor on his kidney and now it's in his lungs. He's only got a few months left to live. He doesn't know Christ yet, uh, but I'm continuing that relationship. And so some, some of you uh, that are watching, maybe there's a friend that you know that you've shared the gospel with before. Maybe there's one that you haven't shared the gospel with before, but you needed to. And so during this time, especially, people are asking the questions, you know, am I going to get this? Am I going to die if I get this? Uh, you know, everybody's life's been turned upside down. So I think also by calling someone uh, or FaceTiming or whatever it might, you might want to do and just saying to them, just being real serious, real humble about it. If you've never shared the gospel with your friend or your family member, just saying something like, look, I want you to know I need to apologize to you. I've known you. We've known each other for you know, X number of time, uh, uh, years or whatever. And I've not shared the best news in the world with you. And in this time uh, with COVID-19, I really need to do that. Or if you have shared the gospel with them, you just go back and you just say, hey, you know, it's been a long time since I've done this, but can we talk again about that spiritual conversation we had about Jesus again? Because I, re I really feel like it's something that might help you because I know it's helping me during this time. So I think those are two ways that we could practice uh, evangelism every day. Obviously, we, we live in a day where, where there's a lot of fear and uncertainty, right? So in your, um, in your relationships and your experience right now, have, have you seen, because well, we, as we've talked before, as we've had you on the, the podcast, you, you are constantly sharing the gospel. And, and I know in, in as part of your um, evangelism classes, you, you, you go and you go door to door. Have you actually, have you been contacted by anybody like during this time? that, I mean, you know, wasn't really interested in stuff, but all of a sudden, I mean, in, in these disruptive times, they're, they're suddenly asking questions about, hey, we, we need to talk a little bit more. Do you, do you have any stories like that? Yeah, well, the only one that I have is really with David. Um, okay. um, you know, um, just a little bit more kind of detail with, with David. Um, he, whenever he was a college student many, many years ago, he's an older man. He, um, he, he had what he believed was an epiphany. He had this uh, theophany is what he calls it, uh, where he had this encounter with God. And it, 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 it's, everything he believes is not held up with uh, the gospel of uh, the New Testament or the Old Testament for that matter. Um, but but uh, we gave him a track that day. Um, didn't know that we'd ever see him again. Um, and he actually emailed me back and he said, uh, hey, I read your little book that you wrote and I agree with about eight of it and I thought that was pretty good and I said okay that's great uh and I said uh so uh what's the 20 percent you don't agree with and he said well that stuff about Jesus died on the cross for my sins <laughs> you know I'm like that's a pretty big 20 percent <laughs> and uh you know he, he emailed me um um last week last Friday and just said hey I'm just calling to check on you guys you know I'm sure things are uh, kind of upset with uh, school and those kinds of things and uh, I, I just shared with him, yeah, you know, we're, we're not only doing that, but we're doing church, uh, uh, we're, we're doing online services at church and I'm preaching. And here's the link. And he actually emailed me back. Yes, I've been praying that he would hear it because I know I know I shared the gospel there at the end. Uh, I channeled my inner uh, uh, Kyle Beerman and Matt Hensley and <laughs> shared the gospel at the end. Uh, and uh, actually, he emailed me um, a Monday and said, uh, Hey, Matt, I, uh, maybe it was Tuesday. The days are mixing up. But in the last two days, he emailed me. And he said, hey, I lost that link on the email. Can you send that to me? He said, the only thing that I see spiritually anywhere is Joel Osteen. And I know I shouldn't be listening to that. And uh, so he said, but I want to hear that. So 
I haven't heard back from him. I'm going to try to just uh, respond back to him and say, hey, uh, what, what did you think about the, the message, especially there at the end? So, so he, has, he has been the one that has probably been most in contact. But he and I have been building a relationship after that initial door-to-door encounter. So. Yeah. And so, so even a non-believer has enough discernment to know that he should not <laughs> listen to Joel Osteen. <laughs> I was very surprised. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he, I think he does. Yeah, the uh, one of the questions that I asked you at the end of your uh, talk yesterday uh, that was kind of very Osteen-esque, I really thought. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, no, was was kind of the 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 idea of invitation on on online church. It's it's certainly easier when you're in the the gathered worship in a building. You know, you pass the plate or you've got the offering box at the end. So giving is easy. Uh, invitation, you know, or or if you've got like a decision room or, or catch me after the service. What, you know, many people obviously have different opinions for that and practices, but it's so much easier. All of everything we're doing is so much easier when it comes to Sunday morning. About the only thing not as difficult as uh, Sunday morning goes is just we don't technically have to wear pants. I mean, you it's just kind of right here. You know, as long as you're wearing your suit, you're pretty good to go. Uh, whatever's down below. I mean, the COVID mullet is is in style right now. But when it comes to online services, the giving, you know, we talked to, to Todd McMitchin about uh, the giving side of things on online services because a lot of our people aren't familiar with online giving. Uh, you know, putting that in your sermons and in time. So they know there are several ways they can give, but also know that we, we're preaching the gospel. And, and certainly right now, as we saw with nine 11 and every time there's a major kind of global or, or national crisis, there's more interest into the hope that we we're able to offer. Uh, and so we want to give a, a way for them to respond And mine. It's, you know, I've got my email address and a link that pops up where they can send that. Uh, directly. Uh, churches do different ways. Uh, those that weren't able to tune in, uh, share us quickly. This will be our last question uh, this morning. Share quickly how uh, maybe pastors that are getting into this online thing uh, can can ultimately preach for a response during this time. Yeah, so a couple of things, and that's a, that's a great question, Matt. Um, number one, I think uh, every pastor who's going to do an online service or a recorded service or whatever it might be, or live streaming, a, a, a drive through or whatever it might be, a service, um, you need to share the gospel because not only are people um, uh, watching that you're used to watching, but, uh, and I don't know what the official numbers are, but I mean, as I'm looking at other churches that I know what their sizes are, they're, they're, they're seeing two, three, four times the amount of traffic, you know, at least on ter- in terms of views. Now, whether they view the whole thing, I don't know that, but they're seeing a lot more increased traffic. So you, you, you're definitely going to have some people there that are that don't know Christ. In fact, the reason they're watching you is not necessarily watch you, but it's to get some hope. So number one, you, you do need to share the gospel. Number two, um, I think it's always good to have some kind of, I, I saw uh, Dr. Steve Gaines at Bellevue. Uh, he, he's got like a little thing right at the bottom of the screen that says, uh, if you need spiritual counsel, call this number. You know, uh, the church where I'm at, we report ours. Uh, we have a number at the end, and we show all the staff's uh, phone num- cell phone numbers and email at the end. So have some way that the person who's watching it uh, live uh, or whenever you can premiere it, uh, that they can call right then. But also have uh, some other information so that you can 
uh, so somebody can contact you even if you you know they watch it you know two or three days later um, because people do need to have some kind of uh, counsel uh, to help them because especially if it's a lost person lost people don't know how to how to pray to receive Christ how to confess on the name of the Lord for salvation so um, have that and I think it's also important to make sure when you're sharing the gospel especially as we're doing in this camera age to try to look as much as you can into the camera if you're recording it if you're doing a, a drive-in service uh, like uh, Matt has been doing, uh, he does a great job. I, I really encourage you to watch his videos as well. But, but make sure you're looking at the cars, you know, headlights or whatever it is, and looking at the people instead of looking down, you know, at your notes. Uh, you ought to know the gospel by heart. So make sure you're looking and engaging with people uh, into the camera or into their windshields, as it were, um, uh, so that they can kind of see the seriousness of it. So. Yeah, and this, then the last thing is, is uh, avoid uh, churchy language. Uh, so if you use repent, that's fine, but explain what that means. Yeah. yeah so, so what Dr. Yeah. Queen is saying is get right up here. Heaven or hell. I can see up your nose. What is it? See your nose hairs. What's it going to be? <laughs> Heaven or hell. Now is the time to decide. That, that I see that hand. Problem. I see that hand. Yeah, right there. I, is that what you want? Dr. Bearman, I don't think that that's what I said. No. <laughs> no. Oh, Kyle, send us out before I, I hurt yeah. Matt's feelings. Well, <laughs> well, well, I tell you what, everyone in our culture right now is going crazy over a king. And uh, I am I am so happy to have Queen on the show. <laughs> what? <today. So. laughs> you've had you a go. priest, you've had a, a royal priesthood this yes, week. Yes, I know. Right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And then we had <laughs> dance earlier this week, too. I mean, Ooh, you know, yeah. we, uh, we the were... dancing queen. Uh, there yeah. you go. You got the dancing queen. Yeah. Kyle, oh, send goodness. us out. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you all for listening today, watching in. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare.